Hi guys, I'm Hannah. And I'm Colleen. And we combined have lived in Iraq for... 11 years. We get a lot of questions about life in Iraq, and we decided that the best way to address those questions is to do a little podcast. So we're going to answer some questions that are really common. The ones that get asked all the time. Yeah, because apparently it's a weird thing living in Iraq. Who knew? (sighs) So strange. So today we're going to talk about food. Food's good. It's true. We like food, and especially at this time of year when it's like, eat all of the food. Eat all the food. Yeah. The worst time to go on a diet is like right now. (laughs) Um, So there are some things that are different about food in Iraq, but there are a lot of things that are very similar to Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I think one of the things that was the biggest adjustment for me um, is what I like to call the endless shopping quest. (laughs) Because it is a quest. It's like a scavenger hunt or a a mystery adventure. It is, and I feel like there are little people that pop up along the way that help you. It's great. (laughs) It's fun. Um, (laughs) Who needs needs games? It's true. I do feel like I played a lot fewer games because so much more of my life was challenging. There you go. Um, But as you may know or may not know, there really is not Walmart in Iraq. Mm-mm. There's not really even like the grocery store. Yeah, there got to be some, but still, they don't quite carry all the things. Yeah, it's true. And most, so most of your shopping is done in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. In in my experience, mm-hmm. I could do almost all of my shopping in my neighborhood. Um, with a few exceptions. So yeah, you visit the butcher for your meat, and you visit the produce stand for your produce, and the little guy who's got a hole in the wall for your dairy, and and the bakery for fresh baked bread, which is just amazing and super cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like the staple food in Iraq is bread, which is a little strange. I don't think most people think of Iraq and bread as like... But you can't have a meal without bread. It's true. It's true. It the two things scandal. that require are required for a meal are bread and rice. I've also had somebody mm. tell me if there was no rice, it does not count as a meal. Huh. So. Yeah. So both of those things are really common in Iraqi food. And we'll get to some more common Iraqi food. But before we get there, what are some particular foods that you feel like you are always looking for? Or that were just difficult to find, even if not for you? Well, I mean, the one that was really common in... The ones that were really common in the international community were things like Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Like, you can really usually find that. Sometimes good cheese. Oh, yeah. Although you guys had good cheese in your city. But we didn't. Um, and then the other one that's really common that really isn't one of the ones I ever looked for was peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big peanut butter fan either. But, like, the idea that you couldn't find peanut butter was, like, really distressing to some yeah. Americans especially. Mm-hmm. Um, that did change shortly after there was a recall on a brand <laughs> of peanut butter in the U.S. Oh, no. There ended up being a lot of peanut butter in Iraq and <laughs> of that brand. And so lots of peanut butter, but also possibly listeria. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, fair trade, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know either. 
And Kurt's really didn't like peanut butter in my experience. I didn't so, know many that did either. Like, mm-hmm. even peanut butter cookies, they were yeah. just kind of like, this is weird and we don't like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we were always looking for for a while there was butter. Yes. Yeah. Our, I remember those days. <laughs> the guy up in Denmark had done some, a cartoonist had done some cartoon that made everybody mad and... And so they had stopped importing butter, and that was the only place they imported butter from was was Denmark. Denmark. Really great butter. But um, it meant that we had to buy our our butter on the black market for a while. Black market butter. Because he, you know, wasn't supposed to be importing it or selling it, so you had to walk up to him and ask him, so, uh, do you have any butter today? And he would look around, and then... Under, from under the counter, he would pull out some butter and stick it in one of those little black plastic bags that they use to, you know, hide things and mm-hmm. put unmentionables. unmentionables. So. Well, and it's the black market, so of course it's got to go in a black, in a black bag, bag. Because yes. that's how the black market works, right? <laughs> that's why it's called the black market. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember the butter shortage days in the bigger city that I was in. You could occasionally find butter from New Zealand. Oh. Which I thought was really interesting. Nice. Um, and not a dig at New Zealand, but the Danish butter was so much better. I don't know if they just like put more fat in it or what, but. It was like we're really in some good. sort of Dr. Seuss better yes. butter battle. Yes. <laughs> it is a better butter battle. Um, but because of that very traumatizing experience in my life of the butter shortage. Um, whenever I did find butter after that, I would just buy, like, multiple pounds of it <laughs> and, like, keep it in the freezer, um, which really, I think, gave me a terrible reputation with my uh, neighborhood shopkeeper because I would just go in there, and if he had butter, I would just buy, like, all of it. Um, <laughs> He's like, now nobody gets butter. Yeah, and, and perhaps in hindsight, it was slightly selfish. But you know what? Sometimes you just need chocolate chip cookies, and it's really hard to do chocolate chip cookies without butter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I, w- I was using the butter best. <laughs> I was the best butter user. <laughs> best better butter user? Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Say that ten times fast. Um, I feel like the other thing that was nearly always a quest, and maybe this was just my personal struggle, um, was for good chocolate. Hmm. Uh, I feel like most other places that I've traveled have some form of European chocolate that's usually pretty pretty tasty and like does not make me wish I was back in America. But for whatever reason, I feel like the Kurds just got like really cheap chocolate hmm. because they were more about like sugar content than actual like cocoa content. Which is a big deal, okay, you non-chocolate eaters out there. Cocoa content is important. <laughs> um, so I finally did find... Oh, you could get, like, Giardelli and Lindt, but mm-hmm. it was really, really expensive. Um, so I finally did find a Turkish brand of candy bar that was, like... It was so good. Um, it's called Caram Gourmet. And you could only find it in, like, certain shops during certain times of the year. And so it was another thing that whenever I found it, I would buy, like, a box of it. Um, 
because, oh man, it was just so good. And every time anyone has been back to Iraq, I have sent them with a picture of this candy bar and been like, look, this is all I want. (laughs) I don't need you to bring me anything else. Just find this and bring me as many as you can fit in your suitcase. (laughs) Yeah, because it's still like my favorite candy bar. But no one can find it. Apparently, it does no longer exist. Does not any longer exist? It just doesn't doesn't exist. It's not around. And that makes me sad. But that's that covers most of the foods that we would we would look for. I mean, there are plenty of things we missed that we knew we couldn't get at all. But yeah. um, Kurdish food, yes, is what we ate anytime we went to somebody else's house mm-hmm. or out at a restaurant, mm-hmm. mostly. Um, and it is not made of any of those ingredients that we talked about looking for. It's true, which is probably why it was hard to find them. Yeah. The things that are most common, she mentioned bread and rice, but chicken, beans, Mm -hmm. um, things cooked in tomato sauce or tomato paste and water and salt. Mm -hmm. A lot Um, of oil. Um, They did do, I will say they did do a lot of like fresh greens. mm Mm-hmm. Um, so cucumber, tomato salad, tomato salad, lemon, lemon. We had a lot of like chopped um, cabbage salad oh. with like lemon and pomegranate on I it. Didn't get that very much. Um, I felt like that was really, really common in in the city I lived in. Hmm. Um, but by far, the favorite Kurdish food that every Kurdish person will ask you if you have had is dolma. Yeah, and I happen to really enjoy dolma. I'm glad for you. Um, <laughs> so dolma kind of comes in, in two basic forms. Mm-hmm. One is rolled stuffed grape leaves, which I gotta say I'm not a huge fan of. And the other is like stuffed vegetables. So it's like, um, onions or green peppers or tomatoes or eggplant. They hollow out and stuff with rice and meat. That one is better. That one, that one, it just is. It just is. Mm-hmm. Um, you made dolma once, didn't you? I tried to make dolma. <laughs> um, it's really hard to, it's really hard to do. Like, it is a skill. Um, and so I had a Kurdish friend that invited me over to, to learn how to make dolma, per my request. And I'm sitting there trying to, like, get the ratio of, like, stuffing to leaf right, because... If you overstuff it, the leaf breaks, and if you understuff it, it's just all leaf and it's no good. And then you have to like fold it precisely and roll it up. And they make these like tight little like rice cigars almost, is yeah. what they look like. Like short cigars of rice and grape leaf. And mine always ended up coming out like really wonky looking <laughs> or like with holes in them or I didn't seal them up tight enough. So uh the lady that was helping us learn just, like, gave me the hardest time about it and told me that, like, how how could I call myself a woman if I couldn't even make dolma? Everyone knows how to make dolma from <laughs> their childhood. Like, it was just the ugliest dolma that she had ever seen. The best she could say about it was that it was delicious, and that was because she had put all the spices in it. <laughs> and oh. I was like, oh, no, I'm a terrible person. And my friend that was, like, invited me, she was like, no, women, no. 
we don't all know how to make dolma from birth like (laughs) you're not really as bad as she's making it sound she's just trying to shame you so that you do a better job i was like that's not how my brain works so anyway it was it was still good yeah um, and I never, ever told anyone that I was the world's worst Dolma maker. Mm. I thought I would carry that private shame with me to my grave. Until I moved into a different city and went to work the first day and went to talk the, to the accountant to make sure that I would get paid correctly. Um, and I walk in and he was like, oh, Miss Hannah, hello, nice to meet you. I hear you make ugly dolma. And I was just like, how did you find out about this? I will never escape from this shame. I and it turns out that like he was cousins with the lady that was helping us make it. So he heard like the worst story. Yeah. And shared it with and, everybody and in the other it city. With everyone in the other city because I definitely had other people that would be like, I hear you like dolma. And I was just like I can never escape. But you're right. Dolma is the favorite food of all women. Yes. Um, But the man's food is something called serupe in my area, but in your area it's called... Pacha. Serupe literally means head and foot. So you know where this is going. (laughs) And this is a food that neither Hannah nor I ever had to eat. Woohoo! Because men would go out and eat it at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and, mm-hmm. like, women don't go out at night like that. Yeah, so yeah. we're okay with that, actually. Yeah. I feel like it was a very manly, like, go build a campfire and make sarupe kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so explain. Explain what sarupe is. Because I don't know that I even ever saw it. Is I did see it. It's, it's everything soup. Like, they put the whole <laughs> sheep in there. I mean, maybe excepting the skin and the fur. Yes. Wool, hair, whatever. Um, so, like, the whole head and face, the eyeballs, the internal organs, mm. the fat. Lots of fat. Yeah. And, like, they just boil it all. Yeah. Doesn't that sound delicious? And, like, the delicacies are, like, the pieces of muscle off the face and, like... The big fat chunk. Big fat. Ugh. Yeah. Sheep um, fat is not my favorite. <laughs> I was hungry when we were talking about Dolma, but I do have to say that Pacha, and and I will also say that my Kurdish friends knew that like I would be grossed out by Pacha, and so it was another thing that they would be like, "Hey, you want some Pacha?" Yeah. And I would always be like, "No." No, no I'm, I'm not a man. Give me Dolma. Give me Dolma. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there were some other foods that, for the most part, Kurds knew that, like, Americans probably wouldn't really like. Mm-hmm. The prime example being Masa'au. Yeah. Which is, like, yogurt and water drink. And it's really sour. And it tastes like sheep. And yeah. not, like... Yummy sheep. Like barn sheep. Like barnyard. Yeah. It's a little barnyardy. <laughs> because the best master owl, according to mm. the very heated debate in my fourth grade class, yes. <laughs> comes from fresh yogurt and spring water, and you put salt in it. Ah. So you get this, like, sour, salty, which I feel like is the flavor profile of the curds, at least, 
is kind of, they like the sour and salty combination, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which was hard for me to get into sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, pick pick one. I can do salty or I can do sour, but the but combination like sometimes was just salty a little... Salty pickles and, mm-hmm. and salt, sour candy mm-hmm. and... Yeah, and even Dolma kind of has that salty, sour... Mm-hmm, lemon juice in yeah. it. Um, but I think my favorite Kurdish food, mm, maybe a, a fair tie with Dolma, is... Um, Biryani? No, biryani. Because totally that one's the best. Biryani is no, the best. No tie with Dolma. Nope. Not even close. <laughs> and it's not like Indian biryani. It has its own kind of... Spices. Spices and flavor and... Almonds and pasta and chicken yeah. and... Yeah. I, I was yellow raisins. Mm-hmm. I would frequently tell my students that, like, anytime they wanted to bring me their mother's biryani, I would happily eat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had a couple students that took me up on it from time to time. It was, mm-hmm. it was a happy thing for me. Yeah. But Kurdish food isn't the only food that we could get. That is There is true. some Western food. Yeah. I mean, besides the one, the things that we made. Yeah. Yeah, there were some Western-style restaurants or Restaurants that had Western style food. Um, what was my, your favorite? My favorite um, was this pizza place in the city that the second city I lived in called Pizza Hot. Pizza Hot. Pizza Hot. <laughs> um, which was both descriptive and maybe a ripoff of Pizza Hut. I'm not sure. Probably. But you could get pizza, salad, and soup for like five bucks nice. and Coke. Uh huh. Of course. Um, and it was like a personal size pizza. It was definitely, definitely enough for a meal, um, maybe even a meal and a half. But it was just good. And I think, I think the reason I liked it is that there wasn't a lot of sauce on it. Um, I don't like tomato sauce to you begin can with. Add then, me the ketchup and the mayonnaise, like all yes. the curds do with their pizza. Yeah. So basically, it was just cheese and bread huh. with a little bit of like tomato. I think they put like tomato paste on it. Uh-huh. Um, but man, man, that was like our weekend food. Mm. Be like, we're gonna, cause it was like two minute walk from our house. So we would just like walk to the corner and be like, look, we just need pizza. <laughs> and yeah, they were, they were nice. awesome. And it was like family friendly. Yeah. It was great. Mm, so good. <laughs> Yum. My favorite is when American foods got brought over as in their name. Just like mm-hmm. um, often on menus there, you'd find Kentucky, mm-hmm. like K-E-N space T-A-C-K-Y if they had like a spell checker uh-huh. or, you know, K-E-N-T-A-K-I. And at first I was like, what is this? What's Kentucky? Kentucky? And they're like, oh, it is chicken. And it's fried chicken. Like like. Kentucky fried chicken. But just Kentucky. That is much more convenient. (laughs) I mean, it kind of makes sense to me. It does make sense. I'm just going to start calling all fried chicken Kentucky. Kentucky. I think that'd be fair. Um, My other favorite is finger chips Mm. that often got shortened to just fingers. Fingers. (laughs) Um, Would you like some fingers? (laughs) No, no. I mean, just my own. <laughs> um, but those are French fries. Yes. And 
I know where the chips thing came from, that British influence uh-huh, of chips. Uh-huh. I'm not sure where fingers came from. My favorite were the finger sandwiches. Finger. <laughs> finger sandwiches? Well, they would make the, the sandwiches in the cafeteria with the bread uh-huh. and the, the finger chips, the french fries on it. And, and those was, french fry sandwiches. That was it. Yeah. That sounds like carbohydrate heaven right there. Bread. It was the favorite. And fried potatoes. Yeah. I mean, of course it is. Of course it's the favorite. <laughs> I never personally went for it, but the kids loved it. Yeah. Um, we also had a restaurant in our neighborhood that was Kurdish. And they made wood-fired chicken. So they would take a chicken and, like, slice it and flatten it out. So it was still whole, but just flat. Um, and they would put, like, sumac on it. And lemon juice. So, again, with the sour, salty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would kind of, like, rotisserie cook it over wood fire. Mm. And it was, like, the juiciest chicken I have ever had in my life. It had that, like, tangy sourness from the sumac and the lemon. Ugh, and the smoky flavor. It's making me, like, drool is coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it is so good. Um, that was another thing that, like, if we, if I had had a long day, I would go up and get a chicken. And so they would just, like, wrap it in aluminum foil and then wrap it in big, flat pieces of naan bread. Um, and so we would bring it home. Awesome. I had some one time when I visited you, and I found it really wonderful. Although I do believe I used some silverware. It's true. Most people are a little more civilized than I was <laughs> at that point. Um, the other thing we really enjoyed is cooking with students or even just cooking for students. Mm-hmm. They have as much curiosity about our food and what we eat as we or you know anyone here has curiosity about their food and what they eat. So. Yeah. Yeah, and so sometimes they would request things that maybe they had heard about. I had some students request, I thought they were requesting macaroons, but they were actually requesting mac- macarons, however you say, the like little almond paste cookies. Oh. So I made coconut macaroons, and I was like, here you go. And they were like, this is different. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, ah, you gotta pronounce the word just right. It's true. Plus, I'm pretty sure I could not have pulled off macarons in Kurdistan. Yeah. I don't think I could pull them off in America, honestly. <laughs> I remember making um, cookies, sugar cookies, and chocolate chip cookies were mm-hmm. a huge favorite yes. among the kids. Um, sugar cookies we would make for Valentine's Day, and we'd make them at Christmas and invite people over to decorate them. One year though, I um I made mint frosting for my sugar cookies, uh-huh. which I love. Yeah. And the kids were all like, "Miss, these cookies taste like toothpaste." They didn't really like them. I you know, I could see that. I could see the mint thing being a little weird. Again, because I feel like in Kurdistan it's more of a savory thing than a sweet thing. Yeah, they don't really do mint-flavored anything. No. Um, I had students ask me to make them bean dip once. Hmm. Um, 
I'm not sure how they knew about it, but they did. So I bought dried black beans and soaked them and cooked them and then, like, smashed them. Um, I think I had salsa. I had managed to find salsa, and so I added that. And my roommate made pico de gallo, and we found um, Tostito chips, which is, like, a big deal. It's really hard to find just plain corn chips. You can get, like, Doritos, but just salted corn chips are a little... Rare. Rarity. Um, And I didn't make it too spicy. Like, to me, it tasted really boring. But they really loved it. Like, they ate all of it. And I was so proud of them because I was like... Bean dip is a weird food. Like, it's a weird <laughs> texture, and it's kind of a weird flavor. Um, but they ate it all. I was so proud. I, I also made them eggnog, Ooh, which is another really weird that American is weird. food. Um, and, I mean, I made it alcohol-free because they're underage and, you know, the Middle East, no alcohol. Um, but... Eggs and milk and vanilla and some sugar and some nutmeg mixed together and drunk cold is a weird thing. It is. It's a weird thing, America. Why do we drink that? <laughs> but I mean, in some ways, it's not that different from something like Mastel. I mean, yeah. it, that's a weird thing, too. I, I guess I guess so. <laughs> We all have our weird things. It's true. It's true that we do. And, you know, we just have to embrace them. We really have to just go for it and be like, this is the thing that is weird about me. Mm. I drink eggs and milk. Or, but or only not. at Christmas. <laughs> it's well. so strange. <laughs> there we go. Oh my if you have any strange stories or want to ask us any strange questions... Please feel free to do so. Um, What's the best way for them to do that? To either contact us on Facebook, uh, Servant Group International, or you can contact us on Instagram, also Servant Group International, or you can find us on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, so we're easy to find as long as you know how to spell the words servant group and international. Um, You should be able to find us just about anywhere. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. Let us know what questions you have. Uh, We are are happy to answer the questions of our audience. (laughs) Yeah. But until the next time, we hope that you have a weird and wonderful week.